Hello, it's Wednesday here in Hilton Head, and that means it's the night or day for Christians and Mental Health Podcast. I am Rachel Ward. And I am Will Ward, here to talk about the saddest time of the year. (laughs) And no, it's not the beginning of winter. It isn't time change. It isn't, what's another sad day? Oh. Um, The shortest day of the year. Will means December 26th. December 26th. It's none of those days. It is for Will and many people across the country, the return to school. Yes. Now, Will is years out of school, but uh, and he actually was very loyal to going to school. That is true. I think the problem for Will at school, as for many, especially boys, was less school than perhaps it was homework. I would agree. Yeah. I used to say about Will and many other boys, they go to prison all day till, and then, you know, all day, and then they get broken out of prison at 3.05, and then they have to take prison work home with them. Hmm. (laughs) It's kind of what it is. I feel like this is the first time I've heard that analogy, (laughs) but it's a good one. So Will, tell me. When I'm thinking especially of like elementary school, let's start with that. Yes. What did you find challenging about returning to school as an elementary school student? Well, I'm trying to think back on that. I always feel like, weirdly for me, returning to elementary school was always harder because it was new teacher, new classroom. Even though in high school you were bouncing around, it was then here's the one new location. You'd always kind of know by the end of the first day how good or bad that would be. Gotcha. I also think, to be fair, going back to school in elementary school, there's a lot more preschool shopping that needs to be done. Oh, yes. The picking out of school supplies. Yes. Which my boys were really interested in for maybe one slash two years. And then the rest of the time, their father and I were trying to find the perfect described purple folder with three hole punch and pockets. Yeah. I'm not going to turn this into a rant, but <laughs> our, the school I went to and I may, parents can leave emails about this gave such specific instructions for what we needed. Oh, it was yes. almost, it was ridiculous. So what, let's start with elementary school for kids returning to elementary school. And when parents are looking at it, I think Will brought up a really good point about elementary school. And that is typically children are in one teacher's classroom for the entire day or one main teacher's class. And so I think when parents look at going back to elementary school, you know, I think sometimes parents think of childhood is very easy. Elementary school is very low stress because parents are typically working and paying a mortgage and, you know, running a household. But I think it's really important to remember that children are going back to school or or facing things in elementary school with much less um, wisdom and intellectual skills. You know, they're still stuck in their brain development. So for instance, we know that the average 16-year-old can only project about four days into the future or past. So when you roll that back to a first grader, that's about maybe 20 minutes. So your kids are living in reality. It's not that their memory can't go, but in reality, life is about a 20-minute to 30-minute span to them. So when they walk into those elementary school doors, they're there for a long, long time. And so I think one good thing about Will can remind us is that it's really good to kind of be sensitive to how your child reacts to that school year. That teacher, you know, the classroom, the classmates that are in the classroom. So I think it's a really good thing to look at. Um, Elementary school, certainly it's very enjoyable for many kids, 
But, you know, um, there's a lot of also school refusal, they call it in elementary school, where you have a first grader or even surprisingly, there's a big uptick in like fifth graders who just do not want to go to school. They get sick to their stomachs. Um, they cry. And, you know, the best cure, quote unquote, cure or treatment for school refusal is actually attending school. So I think as we look at this new school year, some of the things you can do to help your kids, let's look at the elementary school level, is one, have a set plan, a plan for bedtime, a plan for when they get up, what breakfast is going to be, especially for the first couple weeks, you know, an outfit the night before, making sure the backpacks are packed, so that all those kind of um, things that you can control, the kids feel are very predictable. Um, then I think it's important with elementary school students, maybe especially boys, to have a couple questions at the end of the day that are um, questions that they can answer that are closed-ended where they can answer with a yes or a no, and then a question that's open-ended. So something like, and I think, Will, I used to do this to you guys, every day they'd get into school and I'd say, oh, was it anybody's birthday today? Yes. Did anybody get in trouble today? You know, and then I would ask a question like, um, if they said yes, it was someone's birthday, I'd say, oh, what did they bring? And that's kind of an open-ended question. So you give them a closed-ended question where they can just answer with a yes or no, and then you open that into an open where they can discuss their school day. So I think one thing as parents when you look at elementary school is remembering what it's like to be an elementary school student. Yes. You know that when you go to school on Monday morning, Friday seems like a lifetime away. Some days it still does. <laughs> yes. Um, so, Will, do you remember anything about middle school or how that felt? Uh, so I will uh, admit to the audience, uh, you know, my high school and middle school were in the same building. So there was sort of a – it never felt like there was this transition from middle school to high school. It just kind of happened, especially because there were a lot of middle schoolers in the high school classes and vice versa. So Yes. But I do definitely remember – I mean, for me, in some ways, it was easier because you were going to different classes so you could reset your brain a little bit. You know, at, at that point, Friday doesn't feel like as much of an eternity away. Yes. I think there's a little more looseness is a strong word. But that you have a little bit more independence. Yes. Yeah, so that's a great thing is that one thing, especially for kids who are making the transition into junior high or middle school, is to encourage them that even though it's scary to go to a new school, that they will go from classroom to classroom to classroom. So there's a real benefit to that, that when you get a get up to move around. And two, if you have a teacher you don't like, it's going to probably be one of four teachers or one of five teachers. So that's a really great way for junior or middle school students who are, are nervous about going to a new school to kind of tell them the benefits of that. Um, I also think, though, it's really important to for parents to realize that, you know, starting around fifth grade, which may be middle school or upper elementary, there really is a big change both hormonally in children. So even if they don't look like they're changing, the hormones are pouring through their brain to slowly change their body. And this is happening to girls and boys. And there's a real social stratification that goes on in fifth grade, right? That some of the kids, I will say, especially girls, some of the girls really learn their social power. And we start to see like some kids still playing with toys like American Girls dolls and then some kids are dating. 
So when you start to look at, you know, fifth grade, there's a real change that starts to go on there that you might see reflected in your kid's experience of school. So you might have some, a little girl that has done fine through elementary school, and then she gets into a lot of girl drama, maybe late fourth grade, fifth grade, but definitely into middle school, um, complains a lot more, you know, boys, um, I always say that we, we focus a lot on girls in puberty and adolescence, but boys are going through a lot of changes too. So often you'll see your sons at like 12 and a half really go into a you know uncomfortable stage where they're kind of happy one moment, kind of happy-go-lucky, and actually in kind of mature. And then 20 minutes later, they're crying over a Lego. And so um, I don't know if Will remembers this, but um, I remember saying to Will's father when Will was about 12 and a half, I said to my husband, you know, I've been raising Will about the same way since he was about six. You know, they kind of stabilize at six. And now he's 12 and a half and I'm doing the same thing and he can't stand it anymore. Right. You know, so I remember saying, I think for this summer, you kind of need to step in as the main kind of parent, you know, to give him a little break from me. And so it's really important that as parents, we see the bigger picture on that. Yes. Um, it is funny you bring that up because you're talking about adolescence. And I know this is not the same episode, but I do remember that summer because it was the first time I remember like having a middle schooler mortifyingly humiliating moment uh-oh. from my dad. And this is, I'm not going to spill tea on Pastor Bill for any church members. I don't remember what we were shopping for, but my dad very loudly shouted in the middle of Target, Will! You reek. You need some deodorant. Oh, no. <laughs> and, yeah. Yes. And that's where, like, you know, it's funny. You can probably say that to a third grader and they'll laugh. Right. They'll think it's, like, funny. But, you know, when you're kids, yes, all of a sudden they really are, you know, worried about what other people think. They're much more humiliated by things you do in public. So, you know, it's really yes. important that you realize that those are natural and appropriate changes. And as parents, we realize those are going to affect their social life at school and maybe their academic life as well. Yes. Um, and then we look at high school. Oh, yeah. So um, I remember very well my first day of high school because I was the fifth child of my family. And because of the city I lived in was relatively dangerous, I was the only child in my family sent to a private high school. Yeesh. And I was actually pretty mad that I had to go. And I lived in a somewhat inner city area. And this private high school had a, was quite large and had a lot of like kids from the suburbs, kids I didn't know anybody. And so I remember... First of all, I remember my outfit. I of had course. on Kelly green pants and a pink shirt. It was very stylish. And there was a huge trash compactor in the middle of our cafeteria. Hmm. So here I am, this gawky five foot ten freshman girl. I don't know anybody. I go and dump my tray into the trash compactor and I turn around to walk away. And I bump into this beautiful, popular upperclassman girl hit her tray, and chocolate milk sprays all over her. Eesh. It was like a horrible Disney movie moment, right? Or like Nickelodeon movie. Yes. And she was mad at me, right? And I thought, I don't ever want to come back here. <laughs> right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so that was my first day of high school. Yeah. Do you remember anything about starting high school? Well, I remember my first day of high school, first class was a uh, gym which was always exciting. Oh, yeah, that's right. Your guys' high school had you have gym the first hour of high school. Yes. It was weird. So all yeah. the freshmen smelled bad all day. Yeah, so I did not have as much of a rough transition as you did, partially because, again, the middle school and high school were the same building. So there were new people, but it was also a lot of 
oh, here's a, you know, 80% of the kids from last year. Yes. So. Yeah. And so I would say what's important, just like we see big transitions hormonally in middle school, I think what's really interesting about high school today is a lot of kids going into high school, and I'm going to say this is very true um, in general for girls, they have very high expectations of what high school is going to be like. And now partly I blame this on the legacy of High School Musical. I think for my generation, yes. Yeah. I would blame it like on the legacy of things like The Breakfast Club for yes. people a little older. But I would say that The Breakfast Club didn't give you good visions of high school, right? That's true. But High School Musical is this idealized, you know, this really handsome boy going playing basketball down the hallway singing and dancing with you right so i do think it's really important for parents to realize that some kids are really idealizing and believing high school is going to be this great thing that you know it's going to have these memories and all these things and so a lot of kids spend their freshman year disappointed and feeling like they're failing socially um, I would also say, so parents need to kind of be cued into that and, you know, talk to them about the reality that, you know, it's it's going to have good days, but everybody has hard days. I tell kids all the time, I've worked with thousands of different kids, high school quarterbacks, homecoming queens, you know, nerdier kids, theater kids. Every high schooler is scared inside at some level, scared that they're a loser, scared that they don't fit in, scared their friends aren't going to like them. So it's kind of helpful to say to kids, what if you walked into high school and realized everybody's as scared as you are? Yes. You know, then you start to see it more easily. Yeah. And actually to talk about your legacy of high school musical thing, and this is well going too deep into media, Disney Plus did like a high school musical TV show where the meta joke is it's the school where the show took place putting on the musical and it tries to do the whole the high schoolers are all scared thing. But they never quite stuck the landing because it was just too goofy. Yes. And now half the cast are megastars, so it doesn't matter because they've all left the show. So all they were trying to do kind of wound up being for naught. Yeah, and I think the truth is, is I think that TV shows do and media does set our expectations for a lot of things. And it's important as parents of kids going back to school that we use our, you know, put ourselves back in that headspace of an elementary or middle school or high school to remember what we thought like so we can most effectively help our kids. Yes. Um, and I do think it's important that even though when kids are in high school, they are more mature and they're trying out new roles and all those things, that we still remember that a, a child's brain is not fully wired for the first time until they're 24 or 25. So, like, we talked about that a 16-year-old can only project four days into the future. So that's why when a teacher assigns a term paper due in a month and his parents were thinking, why aren't they working on that? To that sophomore in high school, a month is a long, long ways away. Yes. Um, And so I think a lot of, as we go back to school, as we look at this as parents, it becomes really important to look at the developmental level our child's at, look at the different challenges and gifts those different developmental levels bring and not assume our kids can understand elementary, middle school, or high school like adults can. Yes. And so I think it's really helpful as Will and I just share some little stories. One thing I'd really encourage parents to do is to go back and remember some stories from your schooling life as you saw them at that age. Right. You know, that will help you um, remember how you thought, like I always say to parents, remember when you were in elementary school and you got out for the summer, how summer seemed 
endless. Yes. You know, like now as an adult, we think like, oh my gosh, it's June and in a blink of an eye, it will be September. Yeah. So even that helps you realize how your brain was processing time then. Absolutely. And I think what parents can just do as helpful is run a house that has some calmness to it, a schedule where, you know, there's a good bedtime, electronics are limited at nighttime, where there's a healthy breakfast, you know, where um, homework is done, but there's a break from schoolwork as well. I think Will will be the first to attest that parents being able to electronically check their children's grades <sighs> can become a huge burden. It depends on the situation. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I would say it becomes a huge burden if the parent is sitting there obsessively refreshing the page. Yes, and I think the thing is, is that for all kids, grades are important to a point but so is living life. Yes. And so one thing that comes in difficulty with technology is that parents sometimes could get really fixated on how their kids are doing academically to the point where that starts to define everything in the family. Absolutely. I do remember, I don't know if we'll remember this. So uh, online grades came about when you guys were in elementary school. Right. And the school that they went to, their program was called Edline. Yeah, I do and remember I remember that. one time when Will was in like fifth or sixth grade, he said to me, Edline should really be a swear word because like Ooh. every time he heard it, right, it sounded yes. like a curse. And so I think as parents, again, it's about giving our kids, certainly keep trying to keep them motivated, but also giving them times when schoolwork is in everything. I also think it's really important as we go back to school to realize, especially when kids are fifth grade and younger, I always say there should be no double jeopardy on school punishments. So when your kid is fifth grade or younger and their understanding of time is more limited, if they are punished at school for something, that should be their punishment. Hmm. I think I don't think they should get punished at home also. I think you can talk to them about it, try to problem solve. But I see a lot of families, a kid gets punished, then they get punished at home, and it starts this cycle that the kid can never get out of trouble. And so I think for fifth grade and younger especially, I think if they're punished at school, let's not do double jeopardy and then punish them and get at home. I think they can talk about it. I think you can talk to the teacher about it. Um, but, you know, I think a lot about going back to school is the parents seeing the bigger picture, setting up the best, you know, preventative environment, so having to schedule all that. And then understanding that where their children are in development is one of the most important things they can know about school. Yes. Um, I also think, again, for every school year, we have to measure what each individual child your goal should be. So some kids, schoolwork comes pretty naturally. Some kids, you know, they know from research that researchers have sat in classrooms in first or second grade and trained researchers can see that there's about maybe 10% of kids or less who are able to hear something, retain it in their head, store it, pull it out when it's necessary, and use it correctly. That's an actually fairly small percentage of kids who learn that well and are able to reproduce it that well. So you do have a 10% of kids that like that is their gift and they're good at it. And then there's kids who with support can do well. But it is absolutely all right that every child is not an all-A student. Yes. Right? You know, absolutely. as a former teacher, actually, you were trained that 
a good percentage of your students would be C students, because C means average, which means you are where you should be for your age. A smaller percentage should be, and a tiny percentage should be A. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. So, you know, as parents set realistic expectations for each one of your children, you know, yeah. and that you can have different expectations as well. Yes, and I guess I'll throw that in. So, if you don't know my brother is, like, unreal intelligent, <laughs> like, I, I can vouch for he did not study for his ACT and got a 32 and then wanted a higher score. That is true. And I never felt compared to him, but I and I know a lot of families would have probably, you know, like, why aren't you doing what your brother can? Now, it helped that he was younger, but I that had the weird opposite result of I would try to argue, oh, those teachers' tests are just hard, then he would come through three years later and just <laughs> annihilate them. Yes, but you know what? The... What Will, the identity Will always had in our family is that he was creative, he was resilient, and he was fun. Right. And so I think that's another thing when you look at school because schools tends to group people and value students by grades or popularity or uh, sports ability, athletic ability. You know, those are kind of the three areas of academics popularity or athletic abilities where kids get a lot of praise or can get a lot of identity. And so it's important as parents to realize not every kid is going to fit into one of those three pools. Yes. So it's good to help your kids find an identity where they feel like they have some success. That can be kindness. That can be working hard. You know, that can be um, funny. Um you know, so it's really important that your kids have a sense within the school culture right. that they I can do even this one thing well. Right. And I understand for the kids perspective how that can be hard when it still is also well, you do have to pass even if, yeah. you know, the mental part is not your thing. Oh my, now, listen, here's what's interesting is we do know that even the rigors and disappointments and hardships of school when kids have to go through those and, you know, even like bullying to some degree, but they have adults to support them. We actually know they do better than kids that don't have to do it. Hmm. So they did like a 40 year longitudinal study, which means they studied the same group of people for 40 years and they broke it into three classifications. OK, so it was people who graduated from high school. It was people who dropped out of high school and later got their GEDs. You know, so they yes. tested their scores. And then there was people who just dropped out of high school. So they followed these people for 40 years. And when they looked at work success, like keeping a job and how much they got paid, what they found out is the people who got GEDs and the people who dropped out of high school looked exactly the same. So they had a harder time keeping a job and they had lower incomes. Now, you would think the GED people had the knowledge base that the high school graduates had, but what they found out the GED people did not have was how to work the system they were put in. So like a, when you dropped out of school and got a GED, you never had to put up with a kid next to you who made too much noise or the mm. teacher who you didn't like or the girl who always won and you thought it was unfair. So even the hardships of school when it, a child is guided through them by a loving adult can actually also help us be successful in adult life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't all have to be easy and roses and everything going well. So when it, you have, when parents help their kids through um, understanding that their kids are at a different developmental and mindset level than an adult, even the hardships of school can help us do really well as adults. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So we hope 
everyone yes. has a great school year, a great start to their school year. Um, again, parents, the best thing you can do is give your children a plan, try to keep things calm in the mornings, try to maintain a really good bedtime, right. set realistic expectations for behavior and grades, and look at the developmental level of your child. And then, no, there is no child who goes through school easy. Yes. Right? Everybody has either classes they're bad at or struggle with, social skills they struggle with. They're, they don't know how to kick a kickball. They feel like nobody likes them. They have acne for a year. You know, and if you can just not panic as a parent, um, but listen to your kids and help them find solutions, everyone's going to do well enough in school. Absolutely. Especially, I think this year is going to be interesting because it's the first normal year back yes. in a while. So. Yes. We'll see how that goes. And, uh, you know, I think we will do another podcast on that because definitely there are some social implications for kids that have come out of a couple years of COVID. That they're seeing that kids' social skills, as much as their academic skills, have been a little bit impacted. And so, again, I think the more parents can just encourage kids that it's a learning process, that everybody's scared, um, and that you know, every day doesn't have to be great for your life to be really good. Yes. That even bad days we can learn something from. I would agree. And Will, now that yes. you're out of school, how would yes. you rate your K through 12 school experience? I think overall it was good. Um, I fortunately was very resilient to a lot of bullying I just didn't notice. And I had a slight run in with the quarterback in fifth grade that kept the what who would wind up being the high school quarterback in fifth grade that kept a lot of the more aggressive male bullies away from me. So yes. I just tuned out the girls. So <laughs> so that's one way is to just say, uh, like some people just don't even record it all. Right. Um, I look back at my K through 12 and I would say mine was in segments that yeah. I was probably a better elementary school student person. Yes. I think I was a less, what I want to say, like great middle schooler and high schooler. Like I was, I wasn't like bad, but like I probably, my personality wasn't as good at being a junior high and high schooler because I'm kind of a little bit serious minded and introverted. However, I still have really good memories and it prepared me well for adult life. I would agree. I know I, I was there with you about the, maybe not more serious, but like when people would make jokes about, oh yeah, we had a farting contest on the bus ride home. I'm just, I just cannot laugh with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. And so even we two semi introverted, somewhat serious minded ish uh, people have really good memories of school. Even though there were days that were good or bad, and they, and we both feel like it prepared us well for adult life. Absolutely. All right. I hope it was helpful to just run down memory lane to help stir your memories so that you can be best prepared to help your kids create good memories for their school years on the good days and the difficult days. And we will see you next week. Yes, we will see you next week. And you can follow us on social media. All the links will be in the description. And you can also join us at 8.30 and 10.30 at 171 Cordillo Parkway on Hilton Head Island for our in-person services or join our live stream. Again, link in the description. If you have any questions, email will at providencehhi.org. And we hope to see you again soon.